Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mark Regev. You'll have seen him on our TV screens, no doubt. Former Israeli ambassador to the UK. Now senior advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And if you're a country committing unambiguous rampant war crimes, slaughtering huge numbers of innocent people, a large proportion of whom are children, he's the sort of guy you want doing the media rounds. Slick, apparently unflappable, great turn of phrase, shifting seamlessly from oh-so-reasonable sounding to menace. If committing one of the gravest crimes of our time is the sort of thing your state is into, I'd say hiring Regev is a pretty sound bet. Now, alas, Regev has been effective outwitting most Western journalists. For a range of reasons, not just because he's good at his contemptible job, always be aware of your enemy's strengths, but because normally those up against him, clearly are biased themselves in favour of Israel's onslaught, are ill-informed about the details, are weak, or generally and or generally just not up to the job. So it's good to see that Regev was finally up against a journalist who did know his stuff and was prepared to put him on the spot. Now, this has happened before. Mehdi Hassan had him on the ropes on MSNBC, and then shortly afterwards was fired. Interesting. Anyway, enter Lewis Goodall. He's formerly of the BBC and now of LBC. Let's just see him challenge Regev about South Africa's case alleging genocide against Israel in the International Court of Justice. But, but, but this, uh, this charge of genocide is totally preposterous. The, it's outrageous. But Mr Regev, I mean, isn't the case, isn't it the point that you have laid yourself open to that accusation in the manner in which you've conducted this war? 85% of Gaza's population have been displaced. The World Food Programme has said that 80% of the most hungry people in the world right now are in Gaza. That directly arises from the way in which you have prosecuted not just the war, but the way in which you have dealt with the humanitarian situation in Gaza. This was not the only way you could have conducted this war. That is the point. There were other options to you. You have not availed yourself of those options. Well, with your permission, I'll, I'll address what you raised in your question. It's true Please. that a large proportion, 85% of the population has been displaced, but why were they displaced? Because we asked them to leave areas of combat so they'd get out of harm's way. That has been documented. And 20,000 20, Gazans have died, over 20,000. Well, those are Hamas's figures. They don't say how many of them are combatants, how many of them are civilians. They want you to believe, and South Africa in the court wants you to believe that they're all innocent civilians, when that's clearly not true. But there will be many innocent civilians, will there not? Well, can you name, Lewis, and you're a student of history, can you tell me one war in modern history where, where civilians haven't been caught up in the crossfire? No, but I can't. Are you, not holding, but I can't are you think... not holding Israel to a standard that no one else has held to? No, I'm holding you to a standard that is that of a modern state, democratic state, and that is better than Hamas and better than others who would attack, seek to attack Israel. And I can't think, I have to say, of of a war in which 85% of people, 85% of a whole population have been displaced. I can't think of a war where over 100 journalists have been killed in only three months. I can't think of a war no, no, other no. than, I can't think of a war, and that's from the American Committee to Protect Journalists figures, by the way. They're not my figures. Now, predictably, Regev, clearly flustered here, picks and chooses what he responds to. He doesn't want to answer, say, why 80% of the hungriest people on Earth are in Gaza. So let's talk about that. According to the Israeli human rights organisation, Betzalem, Israel is starving Gaza. 
pretty striking thing to say. They say, everyone in Gaza is going hungry. About 2.2 million people are surviving day by day on almost nothing, routinely going without meals. The desperate, desperate search for food is relentless and usually unsuccessful, leaving the entire population, including babies, children, pregnant or nursing, nursing women and the elderly, hungry. Now they know this was a population that was already vulnerable because they had been driven into humanitarian crisis before the current carnage. Largely down, they note, to Israel's 17-year-long blockade, the longest siege in modern history, which had left 80% of Gaza's population dependent on humanitarian aid and 44% food insecure. They declare that famine looms, which could soon leave hundreds of Palestinians dying of hunger every day. Cultivated fields have been destroyed, they know, accessing open areas to get food is dangerous. Bakeries, factories, food warehouses and all the like have been bombed or shut down due to a lack of basic supplies like fuel, electricity. And they note that only a fraction of the amount of food entering before the war is allowed in. The Rafa crossing, which comes in from Egypt, is too small, so you keep getting bottlenecks. Aid agencies are forced to buy food from Egypt, not Israel, which, according to Betzalem, if it was from Israel, would allow for a more efficient and rapid transfer of goods. They also point to what the UN's top aid official has said. He's pointed out why aid can't be efficiently distributed, because trucks are inspected several times before they're allowed in, then they get stuck in those long lines, and it's very difficult to distribute that food, that aid, with constant bombings, roads that are being destroyed, clearly hard to navigate Gaza, the repeated communications blackouts Israel keeps imposing, and shelters overflowing with huge numbers of displaced people. So when Israel says it is allowing humanitarian aid into Gaza, this is the truth. Why Israel is actually starving the population, using hunger as a weapon of war, despite the PR stunts of supposedly allowing aid in, which they present as some act of generosity, when actually that's required under international humanitarian law, which they're clearly violating by forcing Gaza's population to go hungry. So Regev then presents this mass displacement of virtually the entire Palestinian population of Gaza as some sort of act of benevolence by the Israeli state to save civilians from being in harm's way. This from a state which, when it was founded in 1948, drove 750,000 Palestinians from their homes in the Nakba, or catastrophe. They were never, of course, allowed to return. Then in 1967, drove hundreds of thousands more from their homes. And again, they were never allowed to return. You see, Palestinians know that when they're forced to flee their homes by Israel, they don't go back. Now, Israel's demand was for the population of northern Gaza to flee within 24 hours. Now, South Africa made a really striking case that this move, which was dressed up in the garbs of humanitarianism, was itself genocidal. What did they mean by that? You demand everyone flees, including children, elderly, the sick and the infirm, immediately with what they essentially have on them, all while depriving them of the essentials of life, like water, food, medical supplies, and then you destroy their homes so they can't come back. You then cram them into ever tinier spaces, and bear in mind Gaza was already one of the most densely populated areas on earth before they were mostly driven into a tiny corner, and then you bomb the areas to declare a safe with huge bombs, surely knowing that with so many crammed in one space that every bomb will cause more death. Indeed, as South Africa's legal case pointed out, 2,000 pound bombs, which cause huge death and destruction, have been used over 200 times in the so-called safe zones of southern Gaza. The claim that this was a humanitarian gesture is simply a lie. And indeed, as Lord Cameron, the UK Foreign Secretary, accidentally exposed when he said he wanted Israel to turn water back on to northern Gaza, 
Israel is committing their war crimes because the Foreign Secretary was admitting that they were choosing to cut off that water. That's a war crime. You can't legally do that with a civilian population. Now, Regov tries to sow doubt in the death toll, knowing full well that in previous conflicts in Gaza, the final death toll was confirmed by Israel itself and the United Nations, and aid agencies keep confirming the death toll is credible. He knows that when Biden himself doubted the death toll at the end of October, the Gaza Health Ministry released the personal details and Israel-approved IDs of the dead to prove that those statistics were real. Now, the brilliant researchers at Iraq Body Count at the time went through them, those statistics, confirming that not only were the large majority of dead women and children, with over 39% children, but that few of the victims could have been combatants, relatively speaking. There was a modest excess of adult males killed, but that was explained, they noted, by, in large part, by greater exposure to risk, like, for example, rescue efforts, first responders, their men. Now, the proportions given of the dead since have remained pretty similar. Over 39% children, the large majority of those killed women and children. Why would it have changed since late October? What reason would it have done to change? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And the point is, those statistics were proven at the time. We also know, thanks to the brilliant journalism of the Israeli-Palestinian magazine Plus 972, which was based on information provided by Israeli military intelligence sources that the acceptable amount of collateral damage for Israel has gone from dozens of innocent civilians to hundreds per, per military target. And also that the so-called Daher doctrine is in effect in which civilian targets are attacked to put pressure on civilian populations to turn against Israel's enemy. This was first used in Lebanon against Hezbollah, now Hamas in Gaza. That's terrorism. You're using violence against a civilian population to advance a political goal. Now, the truth is, the official death toll is clearly a very, very significant underestimate, to say the least. It excludes thousands buried under rubble, and many of those will not be identified, as I keep saying, for a very long time. Those dying of untreated medical conditions, illnesses, as well, of course, as hunger, thirst, and all the rest. Now, note Regev clearly tries to hint at anti-Semitism, when he suggests Goodall is holding Israel to a standard no one else is held to. I can't get my head around about how irresponsible that kind of behaviour is, by the way. That kind of innuendo. Because anti-Semitism is real. It is a grave evil. Responsible within our, within living memory, for the gravest evil in human history, the Holocaust, but so many evils over, over 2,000 years. And actual real anti-Semitism is on the rise. 
It has to be fought and challenged. How's that going to happen if you if you sow doubt amongst what in terms of what anti-Semitism actually means and people stop believing what anti-Semitism actually means? It's just completely irresponsible to make these hints. But anyway, a study in late December couldn't actually find precedence for the sheer level of destruction unleashed by Israel's assaults in such a short space of time. They looked at other conflicts, worse than the raising of Syria's Aleppo, a terrible crime, which happened, note, over the course of four years, not 100 days, or Ukraine's Maripol, or proportionately the Allied bombing of Germany, again over many years, before the Geneva Conventions governing the conduct of war existed, and after Germany had conquered Europe in a war of annihilation, with, a, with, with so many tens of millions dead, with a massive, sophisticated military force that rivaled its enemies. It was a military superpower. Nothing compared to what exists in Gaza. Indeed, more civilians than the frequently cited US-led war on ISIS. Far more, which again took place over three years. And Israel's been dropping bombs four times heavier than the largest bombs dropped by the US on ISIS in Mosul. A far higher proportion of children has been slaughtered in Gaza compared to other wars. Indeed, the proportion of civilians being killed in this time, in this time period, has no parallel. Both children and civilians, whether that be Syria's horrific war, the Iraq war, Yemen, or indeed Bosnia, for that matter. So while Lewis makes the point that actually standards applied to Israel reflect the fact it's considered a democracy, which is morally superior to other countries, and therefore we have higher standards, this is a particularly murderous and destructive war, and one crucially armed and backed by our governments, notwithstanding whether I would consider Israel uh, a democracy, given its subjugation, its occupation of Palestinians who don't have rights. Now, let's listen to another segment. Let's imagine a situation in which the ICJ decides that uh, you are guilty of perpetrating a, a genocide. Would that make any difference to what Israel is doing? My understanding of the court system is it'll be maybe up to two or three years before we finally get a, a result from the court. But I have to do, there are questions raised, like uh, people came to us and said, why are you testifying in the court? Uh, and raised questions, and, and we've decided to go. But let's be clear, the court has uh, contains judges who don't come from countries with independent judiciaries, where you can expect... You can expect uh, the judge... Then why are you a signatory uh, to the convention, if you do think the we whole are, thing's because a waste we're a, of time? I mean, we, we, we are, and that's why we're there in the end. I'm just raising questions that become relevant uh, when looking at the court. I'll, I'll ask you a question. There's a Lebanese judge on the panel. I mean, if he voted uh, against the indictment, he, who knows what could happen to him in Lebanon? Yes, there's all sorts of considerations that need to be thought about. So your signatory... We have a strong case. We have a strong case. We're making that case today. I hope you have a chance to watch if you're broadcasting now and it's going on as we speak. But Indeed. I think Israel's case is very, very strong. And people who are independent minded, who are who are legal scholars and just normal people with a sense of justice will hear the Israeli side of the of this case and understand that the so, South African allegation is baseless. So but to be clear, whenever it were to conclude, whether it's two years, three years time, you the Israeli government wouldn't accept what it said because you are suggesting that it is not a proper institution or that the process no, is flawed in some way. I, I never said that. So I you would accept it. Well, you just, would accept it. I just point, look, the whole UN system, as you know, and as the British government has said, there's institutional bias in the UN against Israel. Right? Sounds, Mr. Regev, like you're just, it sounds like, Mr. Regev, you're just trying to discredit the institution in advance of anything it might say, which can I, sounds can like I a sort you, of strategic... Lewis. A strategic decision for your government to do so. Lewis, Lewis. It it's kind of funny, this point he makes about independent judiciaries, given Netanyahu and his allies are determined to gut the independence of Israel's own judiciaries. So 
suddenly independent judiciary is a good thing, although now. Now, the fact is, South Africa, which is a democracy and more democratic than Israel, frankly, not illegally occupying land and depriving millions of their rights, is it? Indeed, South Africa, I note, would know apartheid far better when it sees it. They're also backed by other democracies, like Brazil, which is the fourth biggest democracy on earth, and other Latin American democracies. Now, Israel keeps ranting and raving about the United Nations like a rogue state. The truth is, Israel has committed a whole range of war crimes. It has slaughtered a huge number of innocent civilians, many of them children, caused wholesale destruction to civilian infrastructure, and waged war on the basics of life, water, food, energy, and shelter. Its political and military leaders have indulged over and over again in genocidal rhetoric, egged on by much of the Israeli media, and fought by those courageous Israeli peace activists who I've been talking to myself on this channel. Now, Regev is a slick operator for sure. He's trying to spin a moral abomination into something that it is not in order to muddy the waters for Western public opinion, to stop them turning on Western governments arming and backing Israel. That's his whole function. So kudos for Louis Goodall for finally taking him to task. But let's see some other journalists do that as well. Please like and subscribe to share the video. Keep the show on the road as over on patreon.com forward slash ownjoes84. Listen to us on the podcast. I'll speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.